0: In the previous episode, I will say this too. A lot of individuals are afraid of knowing their genetic predispositions. They don't want to dive deeper because, you know, they just don't want to confront this at this point. I would encourage the listener to view this as information. And once we have information, we can at that point take action. And actions that is actually going to be individualized, right? Because doing what someone else does is rarely the case that's going to work. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken, disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Calzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the immune system and the genetic variances that influence immunity, autoimmunity, and allergies, and the epigenetic factors that optimize genetic expression. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history, and lab testing, you're going to have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. The immune system has been in the news a lot over the last two and a half, practically three years. People are concerned because the immune system is involved, what, in infectious disease. And we've been in the midst of a global pandemic. And a lot of people wonder why are some people more susceptible to catching disease than others? Why do some people get autoimmune diseases and others don't? Why is it that some people are sneezing all the time and other signs of allergy and others don't? And we have this tendency to want to blame genetics. And of course, genetics are involved, right? We're programmed in a certain way. But the truth of the matter is genetics is actually less than 10%. And some researchers say less than 5% of how our health expresses itself. So what about the other 90 to 95%? Is that controllable? So in today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the genetic SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. If that's not familiar to you, go back and listen to previous episodes in this genetics and epigenetics series and learn about what SNPs are. There are a bunch of those that will make a person more susceptible to either infectious disease, autoimmune disease, allergies, cancer, which all are affected by the immune system, right? So there's specific genetic SNPs, but there's very specific lifestyle activities. So what I want to do is talk about some of these genetic SNPs, and then share some of the ways that you can help your clients, your patients, yourself and your family members to be less susceptible to decrease their risk. So let's start with talking about some of the genetic SNPs, and then we'll talk about the bigger part of it, right? The bigger part of the equation, which is the 90 to 95% that the good news is most people have control over. And unfortunately, they're not led to believe that they have control by the powers that be, the news media, the Western medical system, which wants people to believe that it's all random, whether or not you get a disease. And if you get that disease, and whether it's an infectious disease that's transmittable or it's an autoimmune disease that's not transmittable, they want you to believe that there is some sort of magic cure for it, or some sort of magic bullet shot that you can get to help prevent you. And in reality, we're gonna look at the fact that it's really a lot to do with your own ability to create an effective immune system. So let's talk about a few of these SNPs and then we'll head into some of the diet and lifestyle activities, some of the nutrients, some of the herbs that you can help to support your patients and clients to help prevent some of these diseases from happening. So I'm gonna start with one is called the RAD50 gene. And there are several genetic variants. As you know, I don't like to call them mutations. Some people still do, but they're just variants. Just like you have Blue eyes, I have brown eyes. Those are genetic snips. Those are variants. I'm not mutated because I have brown eyes. Some people with blue eyes might Feel like that's true, but it's not, right? So the same thing inside the body, although some of these genetic SNPs are going to make it so that that pathway, if this gene is turned on, that biochemical pathway may not be working as well. So let's start with this RAD50, which is one that I like to f- start to focus on because it's so essential for helping the body repair damaged DNA and preventing damaged DNA. So guess what? We all have damage to our DNA every single day from toxic exposures, toxins in the water, toxins in the food, stress. And when we have decreased ability to repair damaged DNA and to prevent DNA damage, we're gonna be more susceptible to cancer. So this is an important one to think about. And if you're looking at genetic testing and you find that somebody has this RAD50, might be a good way for you to incentivize people to take better care of themselves. Like, look, this particular SNP is there for you, but we can modify your diet, modify your lifestyle, add a few supplements and herbs to your regime to help prevent you from developing cancer because you can't repair the damaged DNA. We all create cancer cells every day and the body's supposed to be able to go, oh, look at this cancer cell. Blank. Get rid of it. It's gone. And when we can't do that, that's when those cancer cells can reproduce, multiply, reproduce, multiply until it becomes an observable tumor and a diagnosable disease. So that's a really important one for you to be aware of. And if you are doing genetic testing, look at their RAD50 and then use that information to help them to really up level their game, so to speak. Another SNP that's really important to look at is the ACE gene, a SNP in the ACE gene. And there's several variations, quite a number of variations, and this has been extensively studied over the last couple of years. We know that there's these ACE receptors that are on the lungs, and people who have these damage to these ACE receptors are going to have more of a likelihood of developing severe response to the COVID-19 virus. So when somebody has an ACE SNP, in addition to it increasing the risk of high blood pressure, it also increases the risk of having severe response if they get infected with COVID. So this would explain some of those people who really respond poorly, those that really respond well, but that's not the full picture. Just because this ACE SNP is present, it doesn't mean, number one, that that gene is going to be turned on. And even if it is, there are other factors we'll talk about in a little bit that will help somebody to increase their immunity and then thus decrease their susceptibility. So that's one to keep on the back burner and look at. Another one is an IFIH1. Again, several variations on that, and this activates the immune system. And enhances natural killer cells. So if this gene is disrupted, if the the gene and the enzymes and the pathways that this gene controls is damaged, is't working properly, is genetically variant, let's just say, then it's going to increase susceptibility to viral infections, okay? Because, This one enhances natural killer cell activity, the ability of the body to like, boom, get rid of things that are foreign invaders. Folks that have this oftentimes have an increased susceptibility to multiple sclerosis, Graves' disease, type one diabetes, and other types of autoimmune diseases as well. There's another one, I don't even know what this stands for, some of these are hard to get, 4Q27, which codes for cytokines. Most of the normal population never heard of cytokines before two and a half years ago. Now people are talking about the cytokine storm. People have heard this. It's like a common household word, whereas before it was relegated to the realms of conversations amongst health practitioners at conferences. And it codes for these particular cytokines, IL-2 and IL-21. When people have a SNP in this area, they're more likely to have an autoimmune disease. Things like RA, IBS, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, celiac, type one diabetes, psoriatic arthritis and lupus, those are common amongst the autoimmune population. Those are common autoimmune conditions and a variant in this SNP can contribute. But again, we're going to look at the diet and the lifestyle factors. There's a very specific framework for helping people once they've developed an autoimmune disease. And guess what? For helping the person put that into place before they develop it, i.e. healing leaky gut, decreasing stress from outside exposures, like chemicals and heavy metals and outside viral infections, EBV, things like that. So we can control those factors to help prevent a person, even with the genetics that lead them to maybe being more susceptible to autoimmune, that we can help them to prevent that and even reverse it. Yes. Autoimmune diseases can be reversed with the right application. I'm not saying in every case, but when you know what to do to assess the imbalances that that person is dealing with. So this 4Q27 is associated with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, celiac disease, type one diabetic, diabetes, psoriatic arthritis, and lupus, like I said. There's another one, ATG16L. Again, you can look at these, write these down. You'll find these in the genetic reports, depending on which ones you're doing. It plays a role in, guess what? Apoptosis, right? Fancy name for programmed cell death. Boom, apoptosis, explosion of the cell when it reaches its normal life. So it also is used for helping the immune system to get rid of viruses and bacteria that don't belong there. And those who have these genetic SNPs here are gonna be more prone to infectious disease, more prone to serious side effects of infectious disease, plus autoimmune diseases. It causes an increase in inflammation levels in the body. And guess what? Inflammation levels in the body are things that we can help people to control by taking the right diet and lifestyle actions. Another one that I like to look at is TNF, TNF TNF-alpha, TNF-beta, TNF-2. There's a whole bunch of TNF. And it basically is an inflammatory cytokine that signals the immune system, hey, let's do some work. And those people who have SNPs here are often more prone to autoimmune diseases like Celiac and ulcerative colitis and Hashimoto's and psoriasis and even Alzheimer's. There's been a link found to Alzheimer's and yeah, is Alzheimer's an an immune system disorder? There's a lot of talk about Alzheimer's these days. Is it a brain disorder? Is it a metabolic disorder? Is it caused by an infectious disease? Is it caused by amyloid plaques? There's a lot of discussion about that but it's basically the body's inability to clean out the brain that's affected by those outside factors that can lead to Alzheimer's. And there's been some studies that show that TNF genes have a role in Alzheimer's progression. So another one. CTLA-4, and I'm giving you the abbreviations for these. This is the way you can look them up in gene cards and in Google and in Stipedia and all those cool places because they're hard to say. They're long, long, long names. So CTLA-4, and it makes this protein called CTLA-4 that's on the surface of the T cells. Remember those T cells are super important for the immune system. And it actually causes an inhibition of the immune system when the T cells are activated. So all the things associated with this are things, again, autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's and celiac and MS and lupus and and cirrhosis even. And these kinds of imbalances are aggravated when they're not making enough of this CTLA-4 protein, then they're more susceptible to the effects of gluten on the progression and the development of autoimmune disease. So I always tell people who have Hashimoto's and celiac disease and other kinds of things, it's super important that you incorporate getting rid of the gluten. And we'll talk about that under the lifestyle factors. I have a few more, hopefully you're writing these down or you'll otherwise listen to this later. And these are things to look up in your patient's genetic reports. IL-6, interleukin-6, it's a kind of cytokine that's important to initiate or inhibit inflammation. It signals to the cells, hey, let's initiate inflammation. Hey, okay, let's inhibit inflammation. And when there's a SNP in the IL-6, We're gonna see chronic inflammation and progression of autoimmune disease. Again, similar ones. We're also gonna see an impact on cancer progression, atherosclerosis, depression, and again, Alzheimer's. Here's another gene, it's one of my favorites (laughs) because I have a lot of the SNPs in this one, FUT2. And it has to do with the expression of our blood type into the mucous membranes, which has an effect on the growth of the the flora, the, the microbiome in that area. And it particularly impacts bifidobacter. And it helps the intestinal lining sites for binding to the bifidobacter. So people who have this FUT2 are much more prone to GI infection and celiac and irritable bowel. And this kind of infection there is really important to be aware of, and we have to make sure that people with the FUT2 gene are really supplementing with probiotic-containing foods things like sauerkraut and kimchi and yogurt and things like that. I always go for non-dairy yogurt and encourage people to make their own so they can control the amount of good bacteria in there. And if they're taking probiotics, they really should be taking an extra amount of bifidobacter because most of the combination formulas don't have enough of that. And it's super important. The microbiome health is super important for immune system function. Another one, we only have a couple more, TLR4, which activates the inflammatory cascade. And guess what? That's important for helping the body to get rid of pathogenic bacteria, parasites, viruses, other things like that. And it's specifically gram-negative infections are affected by this. Those are types of bacterial infections, a kind of bacteria. And when we have a SNP in TLR4, the body can't activate and deactivate this inflammatory cascade well enough to rid ourselves of these infectious organisms. We're going to be more likely to have these types of infectious organisms but this tlr4 has also been associated with autoimmune disease cardiovascular disease and alzheimer's so this is a list i just have one more category that we're going to talk about of combination of SNPs that you can look up in your clients 23andme or whatever other genetic report they do and say oh here's some things that are gonna predispose you perhaps to autoimmune. So you have to be much more conscientious about following my protocols. So the last category I'm gonna look at is the HLA, histocompatibility locus antigen. And this is a very key player in regulating the immune system to distinguish between invading pathogens and the body's tissues. When the body can't distinguish between invading pathogens and our own tissues, what do we get? Autoimmune disorders, right? Inflammatory disorders. So it's really important that we look at the, anybody that has HLA and HLA categories. So the ones that are most associated with gluten intolerance are HLA-DQA1, DQ2 and DQ8. So I've had the situation where I have somebody in front of me who I knew years ago. They've been in a group program. We've talked about it Gluten intolerance, you gotta get rid of your gluten. And they go, yeah, 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 and they try, right? We've heard that before, right? I'm gonna try to get rid of gluten and I only eat it once a week now, doesn't matter. As soon as you activate those antibodies, they're gonna start activating the autoimmune process and everything's gonna fall apart. So when people have SNPs in this area, I'm always encouraging them gluten-free in for the rest of your life, especially if they have this in combination with that CTLA-4, you gotta be gluten-free or you're never gonna really get well. And I've given people like, okay, let's get you gluten-free for six straight months and let's see what happens and miraculously things get better. So when people see these genes, they're more likely to say, oh, I think I should listen to you when you tell me to go gluten-free. So what do we do? How do we handle it? When we've done a report and we look at this and we see that this person has a bunch of these immune system related SNPs, whether they're ones related to inflammation, DNA repair, autoimmune disease, or infectious disease. We have to start with the basics. We have to start with what I like to call the pillars, the freedom pillars. And we'll go through some of those here. So the diet has to be clean. A lot of these are associated with type one and even type two diabetes and Alzheimer's, which is very sensitive to sugar in the diet. So again, going back and reinforcing to people, sugar is not your friend. Anything that ends with the O's, it's not your friend. Fructose, high fructose corn syrup is one of the worst ones. Glucose, glucose is found in a lot of fruits, but doesn't seem to be as bad in fruits because you've got all these other micronutrients to protect it. So sugar extracted from food, no, 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 no and really working with people to remove those hidden sources of sugar, including the starches, the breads and the pastas and the things that are easily and very readily converted to sugar. Sugar has been found to affect the immune system directly. We know that you can get, depending on the dose, over what period of time, you can get up to a 90% impairment of the immune system after a sugar dose, 90%. So if somebody's one of these sodaholics, right? They're drinking soda and they're not doing the sugar-free ones, which those have their own problems. They are going to be getting so much sugar that their immune system is going to be shot. And if you have those folks that sit there all day drinking their soda at their desk, no good. Drinking their iced tea, very popular here in Texas to drink iced tea, so much sugar in that. I grew up drinking Kool-Aid. Like it's 95% sugar with a little bit of artificial coloring to add to it and a little bit of artificial flavoring. So we gotta get them off of sugar. We know that, but this helps you when you do their genetic testing, it helps you to actually use that as quote unquote ammunition to get them to actually make those changes. We heard gluten pop up a bunch of times in looking at these SNPs. Super important, especially in the presence of those HLA SNPs, especially in the presence of the CTLA. And quite frankly, in, in case of any of the SNPs related to autoimmune disease, gluten's gotta go. It's gotta go. It's been shown that even like a little morsel, the amount that's in a crumb from, a, from like one of those breadcrumbs, a little tiny piece, can flare someone's immune system up for six months. And every single time I say that for six months, if my friend, Dr. Tom O'Brien is around, he goes, no, minimum six months, for a lot of people it's a year, right? So it's gonna flare it up because it activates those immune pathways. And in anybody with an autoimmunity, in anybody with leaky gut, with gut issues, probably need to get them off of gluten. And of course you can test, you can test to see if they have antibodies set up for gluten, but why waste their money when you know they have the genes and they also have the symptoms. So gluten is a really important one. I say, I tease sometimes my patient groups, and I'll say, we'll talk about gluten-free and dairy-free, and they'll say, well, does everybody have to go gluten-free? I'm like, if you're here and you've paid me a lot of money to help have me help you with your health, Your health is impaired enough that you're going to benefit from gluten and dairy-free. Somebody else is, you know, if there's the rare person in the 8% of the population that's metabolically healthy is walking around, they may not need to. But that's not the people you're going to see in your office. That's not the people I see. So getting the sugar and the gluten out right from the start are super important. And then dairy. Dairy. It's an inflammatory food, it causes mucus buildup. We're trying to support the immune system, especially in the presence of some of these SNPs, which affect the inflammation in the body. Dairy-free is super important to at least get them to minimize it and only do organic and fermented, but a lot of the studies even show that those can be problematic. So you gotta pick your poisons right at the beginning, you gotta pick the things to ask them to do, so you get buy-in. Another thing that's super important in people with immune system STIPS are the fat balance, omega-3-6 balance, hydrogenated and, and inflammatory fats, oxidized fats, heated trans fats, all of those things negatively affect the immune system. And again, sometimes we may not be as strong about these with our patients and clients, but if you are working with somebody with immune impairment, These are critical or you're not going to get the results that they want and that you want for them. And then final list I have here on the clean diet is the anti-inflammatory diet. We want to get rid of inflammatory foods. And again, a lot of the ones I just mentioned, sugar, gluten, dairy, eggs, well, eggs, if they're allergic, fats, and any of the foods that they may have built up an allergic reaction to, they've got to get rid of. I have people say things to me like, oh, every time I eat X, I get Y symptom. And I'm like, excuse me a second. Every time you eat this, you get this symptom. Why do you continue to eat it? Why don't you just stop eating it? Well, I'm hoping that I'll outgrow it. Every time they go ahead and eat that food that causes inflammation in their body, they're having an immune reaction. They're pushing themselves in the opposite direction. So there at least has to be a period of elimination before they go back and test things in. So those are some of the dietary things, but related to the diet is blood sugar balance, right? We've talked about this in other podcast episodes. We need to be metabolically healthy. And the recent studies show that 92% of the population is metabolically unhealthy. So we need to restore metabolic health. How do we do that? We balance the blood sugar. A couple of episodes ago, I talked about the the genetic SNPs related to blood sugar and some of the actions. So go back and listen to that. And we had a whole series in this podcast on metabolic health. Highly recommend that you listen to those. We've got to have good gut health when somebody has immune system related SNPs. These go without saying, but it's super important for everybody, of course, but What about when they have these immune SNPs? So we have to get their microbiome and not just their gut microbiome, their mouth microbiome, their skin microbiome. The good relationship, the symbiotic relationship with good organisms in the body makes all the difference in the world, especially for somebody with impaired immunity and immune system SNPs. One or the other or both, both is even worse. Other piece we have to look at is decreasing their toxic load. What are they exposed to? What kind of products are they putting on their skin? What are they spraying into their air? What are they washing their clothing with? All of the things that are the household chemicals. The household chemicals are hugely contributory to toxic load on the body. And if somebody has an immune system impairment and they have immune system SNPs, we've got to reduce the toxic load or their body just can't keep up with it. And then we have the basic stuff, right? We have to sleep enough. Low levels of sleep. Poor sleep contributes to immune problems. Stress, right? People who are under stress produce more cortisol, which negatively affects the immune system. Those are the things we have to look at and getting them on a meditation program or other kinds of programs. These are all critical for when somebody has immune-related SNPs. Of course, they're pretty important for everybody, but especially if they have immune-related SNPs and or they are struggling with immune disorders, autoimmune, a history of cancer, infectious disease. I'm gonna talk about exercise from the standpoint of we want the Goldilocks principle of exercise. We need to get them moving their bodies. We need to get them breathing well. But if they overexercise, it can deplete their immune system. So it's working with people, like if you have the couch potatoes that go out and do weekend warrior stuff, you got to get them to do a little bit every day and not overexert on the weekend. Inevitably, I've had lots of patients tell me this. I'm just like so tired during the week. I don't get to exercise and I look forward to the weekend and on the weekend I get up and I go out and exercise and then I feel sick like, oh, because you just overstressed your immune system. It wasn't used to it. So finding that Goldilocks principle of exercise for each person is super important. And then, of course, we have immune system support nutrients. When people have these immune SNPs, you want to give them extra support, especially if they're in a situation where they have a lot of exposure or they already have developed an autoimmune disease. So what are we looking at? We're looking at vitamins A, C, D, super important for supporting the immune system and the mucous membranes in the body. We also want to look at things like zinc, which are super important for T cells and B cells and all the other kinds of cells in the immune system. Zinc is super important. We want to look at things that help decrease the inflammation in the body, like turmeric and ginger right? Those are really good. We also want to look at the things that decrease the body's histamine production, right? The mucous membranes that are like fighting this stuff. And yeah, we need the mucous membranes to produce when they're exposed, but most people end up with overexpression and then we end up with the system that can't control and we're sniffling and snotty and they have sinus headaches and all this so the quercetin is a super important one the vitamin c is super important there's a whole segment on immune support nutrients in one of the previous podcast episodes so i highly recommend that you list that and it was in the first one in the immune support section where i talked about the innate and the acquired immune systems. So go ahead and listen to that for a good deep dive on that. And finally, let's just end with talking a little bit about testing. If somebody has these SNPs, you wanna see, are they expressing or not expressing? Are they prone to bacterial or viral infections? Are they prone to parasites? And we can look at certain things. The most important things that I like to look for related to the immune system and related to this issue when people have the immune SNPs are the CBC, complete blood count with differential. And we want to look at a couple of things in there. We want to look at the white cells and we want to look at the different kinds of white cells and the ratios like neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio, which would be viral tendency versus bacterial tendency. We wanna look at the eosinophils, and the eosinophils will tell us a little bit about the allergic tendencies of a person or parasitic tendencies. And the basophils, another important marker, mostly involved with chronic kinds of parasite infections and these are not infections that like full-grown blatant infections that they may know about this will give you a clue as to how their immune system's functioning and then do they have low-grade infections that are stressing their system out i also think you have to look at the blood sugar testing we talked a lot more about blood sugar testing in earlier podcast episodes but if somebody has a tendency to lowered immunity and they have dysregulated blood sugar they're much more prone to infectious disease and problems that are not gonna go away in spite of whatever medications they may try. And we know in this pandemic that the people who had the worst outcomes are those with underlying conditions like diabetes, insulin resistance, and other dysregulations of metabolic function. So I recommend that you minimally get their fasting glucose, their hemoglobin A1C, and their fasting insulin. You can go deeper with that if you find any issues. I also recommend, as we talked about in the blood sugar genetics section, get them in a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, super important or pricking their finger with the regular glucose monitor throughout the day to figure out their peaks and valleys. I would also look at inflammatory markers, C-reactive protein, SED rate, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, homocysteine and other markers like that, that will tell us about how much inflammation is going on in the person's body. And I also like to look at more of the functional testing for people who seem to be immune impaired, and especially when they have the SNPs, is looking at something like a metabolomics test, which is a very comprehensive look at the various pathways and nutrients and inflammatory pathways, et cetera, in the body. So there you have it, a shortcut look at what's going on in the immune system what SNPs you might want to be looking at to see if this person has tendencies towards immunity and then what are some of the things you should be doing these are not rocket science things they're things that we know we should be doing to help support people but when you have these SNPs, the SNPs help us to get the people to actually do what we know we should get them doing Finally, there are some herbs. We have another whole podcast episode about herbs, but there's a lot of herbs that help support the immune system. So I recommend that you go back and listen to that one. So when you know how to help people keep their immune systems balanced, you're going to be successful as a practitioner. And I believe it's actually critical to your success as a health practitioner. People come and ask me all the time, oh, my sister got COVID and I don't want to get it, or I feel like I'm coming down with something. What should I do? And we recommend various protocols and actions that are much like what I just told you. With the state of the current world, it is so sad that people aren't being told that what they're eating, what they're putting in their mouth, what they're watching, what they're listening to is seriously affecting their immune system. So as people get depressed because of this current state of the world, and they're sitting on the couch and they're drinking their wine or beer or soft drinks and eating chips and other kinds of comfort foods, they're actually depleting their immune system. And we know there's no one size fits all, but we have to look at each person and say, what do you need to do to improve your immune system? Not everybody can eat the same things. We've talked about this over and over again, even within the healthy foods. Some people thrive and some people perish on the same diet. So it's important for you to be proficient at identifying and correcting imbalances that people have. So check out the show notes page at reinventhealthcare.com and you'll see links to resources to help you become proficient at helping people to identify the imbalances that are contributing to their health complaints. We have charts with all of these SNPs that are available as part of our NEPT program, but also we have a special nutrigenomics bundle and you should see the link to that on the show notes page. We put together a genetics resource kit for you. It's at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. And when you know how to test genetically And use functional testing to pinpoint the actual imbalances and teach them and empower them to use the power of nutrition the the power of lifestyle to restore balance you're going to be super successful in your practice and you're going to be able to help the people who've been struggling for a really long time to get well and you'll feel fulfilled and your practice will thrive so download the guide access the resources And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.